My name is Dan DeMay. I'm one of the lead pastors here. If this is your first time, sit back and enjoy what God has for you. Um, when I, I grew up in Woodland Park, um, which is just north of Colorado Springs, and we kind of had an interesting school system. We had elementary school, and then we had a middle school, which was fifth and sixth grade, then a junior high, uh, then a high school. In middle school, I remember both in fifth grade and in sixth grade that one of our class assignments, and we used to have to do this every week pretty much, is that we would have to bring in newspaper clippings, and the section of the class was called current events. Anybody else? Anybody else remember current events? And so you'd have to go home and pull out the newspaper, hope your family had a newspaper, or you'd have to steal one from the neighbor or whatever, and then you would try to find something that was of interest, and you would clip it out, and then you had to get in front of the class, and you had to share the current event that, that you had brought. Um, and so I wanted to do something just real quick. I wanted to do a spontaneous current events um, right here. If you're new to the church, one of the things that happens is while I'm teaching, I will ask people to interact with me, and I'll ask questions, and I'm expecting some responses. So um, I think we live in a world right now where there's a few things happening. Yeah, And back then, when I was in middle school, I didn't have access to the World Wide Web and um, literally had to go to a newspaper and find the clipping. Now we can get it in so many different various sources. But I wanted to do just a quick little spontaneous current events. And so if you would be so bold to be the first, what current event can you think of right now? Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Interesting. Last night, very first thing that was brought up last night as well. Some California fires. You know what? It's interesting to me. There are so many other current events going on that lately when I watch the news, they don't even mention the fires. That's kind of crazy to me. Those are there's some big fires happening. What else? The flood. The flooding from the hurricanes and uh, tropical storms that come in. New York. I watched something the other day. New York, the subways are flooded, filled with water. That's... I can't even fathom that when I'm thinking about that. What else? Texas passing law for the unborn. Yep, the abortion now. Yeah, that was good. It's a very it's a good current event, yeah? What else? Political unrest. That definitely seems to be a current event. Somebody back here? Okay, so the whole vaccine issue, not just in New York, but I think we would all agree that's worldwide, yes? Um, anybody else have a current event? Federal Reserve, Federal Reserve the resources, the funds, tapering. Yep, okay. Our whole White House is a current event. <laughs> <laughs> and it has been for quite a while, okay. Jesus is paving the way for his return. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good headline, right? Jesus is paving his way for his return. Love that. All right. Anybody else want to share? Yeah. Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Okay. Yep. Again. Yep. It's all right. Anybody else? Election integrity. Election integrity. Absolutely. That's, it seems to be a pretty hot current thing. Let me ask a second question in the midst of this. In the light of all these current events, anybody feel any insecurity or inadequacy in how to deal with these things? Anybody at all? Raise your hand, lift it up, and hold it there. All right, look around the room. Most of the people in the room feeling very um, 
maybe a little inadequate or very having that um, just self-doubt about that. I just want to let you know from a staff perspective, we feel very inadequate at times in how to deal with current events and things that are going on. And so in discussing uh, this new series, we're going to start a new series, um, we felt as a teaching team that this would be a very, very appropriate time to do a series called Jesus at the Center. Jesus at the Center. Um, because we believe with all of our heart that when you put Jesus at the center, that then he will begin to give us instruction, wisdom, insight. I'm going to read scripture in just a second that will help us to actually navigate through these current events. And if you are feeling insecure or inadequate in how to handle or how to deal with these things in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your very own family, do you know the things that are going on right now in the world are separating families? It's been so divisive. And I just really feel very strongly that as a church, we need, to, we need to get really, really good right now at putting Jesus at the center of this thing and put him there where he belongs. And so this is not in your notes. If you want to follow along, you can go to the U version, follow along with the message. Just click on events and you'll find Shine Church. But I was thinking about this actually during worship um, as I was just praying through the message in, in, Gala- or, sorry, in Corinthians. Now, get a picture of this. Um, the, the letter was written by Paul to the church of the Corinthians who were dealing with some issues. They had some hot button topics going on. Um, I'm not going to say very much like today, but in some ways very much like today that they had these issues taking place. And Paul was writing to this church, and I'm going to pick up at the end of chapter 1, verse 26, and I want you to think of this through the light of maybe that insecurity or that inadequacy that you may feel. And listen to what Paul is telling the church here. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. Now, I want you to hear this next section of scripture. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for you the wisdom of God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Oh, man, right there, such such good good depth of scripture right here, that God would want to give us through Jesus Christ wisdom, righteousness, holiness, and redemption. I believe if you walked in those four things alone right there, that we would know how to answer in the current events that are taking place today. Do you agree? And here's what's interesting. All of that was talking about people that maybe feel a little inadequate, Maybe you didn't feel like you were wise. Maybe you didn't feel like you were influential. Maybe you didn't have a noble birth. It's talking to people that maybe don't feel like they have much to say in a time like this. But I would submit to you that we all have a lot to say if we are led by Jesus Christ. Yes? Therefore, as as it is written, 
Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. There was something about Paul that he understood that no matter what was going on in the world, that if he taught about Jesus Christ and if he heard the wisdom from Jesus Christ, that what he was speaking out, what he was writing in these, in these letters was coming directly from the Holy Spirit, was coming from God, and in doing so, if he kept his eyes focused on Jesus and him crucified, then he would communicate in a proper way to the church and to the world. And I want to encourage you, and what we're going to do in this series is we're going to take the Gospels and we're going to look at Jesus Christ in the Gospels. Do you know Jesus is mentioned a lot in the Gospels? He's in there a whole bunch. It's amazing. And when we start to pull out different things from the Gospels about Jesus, we begin to realize maybe that he wants to give us understanding and insight in how to navigate our world today through him with him in us. Do you know he said that it is better that I go so that you can receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will take from what I have and will speak to you and will tell you what is to come. How many of you want to know what is to come? How many of you want to know what to say? How many of you want to know what to do? There's decisions out here in this world that we have to make a decision on. And are you going to God and are you asking him, are you saying, Holy Spirit, Jesus said you came to give me instruction so that I would know what you want me to do. Jesus died so that we could have this. You know that, right? It says that Jesus died, rose again, so that we could have direct access to our Heavenly Father. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you can hear from God? Because I, with every fiber in me, believe that Every single one of us can, which means this. If there's a question posed before you, where are you getting your answer from? Are you getting it from Facebook? Are you getting it from the news report? Are you getting it from a governmental leader? Are you getting it from a family person? Hey, listen, God can use all of those things, but man, we need to be a church that gets our answer from God. And here's the difficult part. Something that God may speak to me may not be something that God speaks to you. And where we get into trouble is when I take what God has given to me and I proclaim it and tell you that you need to do that. That's where we get in trouble. We need to be so confident in our relationship with the Lord and understand that each one of us has direct access to the Father to hear from him that we will stand on our own conviction and not push that onto anybody else. A little bit later in Corinthians, Paul says this, by the grace God has given me, verse, or chapter three, verse 10 and 11, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. I want you to hear those words, church. Each one should build with care for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If you are building your life, if you are making decisions on any other foundation other than Jesus Christ, I would submit that you're off balance. Say it one more time. If you're making any decisions based on anything that's not built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, could it be that you would be off balance? We need to be a church that are making decisions based on Jesus Christ and what he's instructing us to do. Yes? 
Here's the heart for this entire series, that we would anchor and react from our foundation and not the circumstance. They would anchor and react from the foundation. Now, if you don't have the right foundation, then you're going to react and you're going to anchor yourself to the wrong thing. And so we need to grab a hold of Jesus Christ. He is our foundation. He is our rock. I'm not going to go into it, but Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say they, who I am? And they have an answer. And then he said, who do you say I am? And Peter says, I, we believe that you're the Messiah. And he says, on this rock, on that revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. If you don't want the gates of hell to prevail in your life, then stand on the rock of Jesus Christ. Ask him what to do. Ask him for instruction. Ask him for your leading. Pull him in. Find out more about him. Read through the Gospels, which again, talk so much about, it's about Jesus. It's his life. It's the eyewitness accounts. And for some, what they learned and wrote about Jesus Christ. Read through those Gospels. And instead of asking the question, what would Jesus do? Maybe we should ask the question, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Because Jesus did a lot of things that we're dealing with right now here in life. Finances. Sexual sin. And today we're going to talk about prayer. And so I'm going to jump into the Gospels um, and just share a few things for this morning. And then we have a very practical thing that we want to do. Um, in John, the beginning of the Gospel of John, chapter 1, I want to read through the first five, five verses. In the beginning was the word... And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I'm going to read that one more time. The, life, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Church, I know it seems dark in the world today, but I would submit to you that Jesus came to bring light, and from what I understand, he hasn't gone anywhere. He may not be walking and talking in a physical person here, but he is speaking to us through the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God says he's seated at the right hand of God, interceding for you and I. Amen? And so when you see everything that's going on in this world, these current events, most of them that were brought up were negative. A few people brought up some really good positive ones, but most of them were the negative side. Don't get clouded in by the appearance of darkness, but understand that Jesus Christ is the light, and he is here to bring light into this world. And guess how he's going to do it? Through us. He's going to do it through us. Shine. Be a good name of a church. <laughs> He's going to do it through us. Don't get hopeless, but understand the hope that comes in Jesus Christ. And from the very beginning of the Gospel of John, he wanted you and I to understand that, yes, it may seem like there is darkness in the world, but Jesus is the light, and he has come to overcome it. A little bit later on in the chapter, verse 17, it says this, For the law was given through Moses... Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Law was given through Moses, but grace and truth was given through Jesus Christ. I believe with all of my heart that if we will build our lives on Jesus, put him at the center of every hot button issue, if we put him at the center of every current event, if we put him at the center at everything that we're facing and dealing with, that he will instruct us and he will give us a deep understanding of a great balance between grace and truth. 
Because right now we're living in a world where this pendulum is swinging. Do you guys see that? Is this funny looking? Because I think that's what it looks like in the world. Dude, we are either all legalism and, and man, you've got to do this and it's all this truth, blah, 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 or it's, oh, it's all love and everything is good and forgiveness and, and you should embrace and tolerate everything. Do you know what? Jesus is somewhere in the middle. He's in that balance position where there's truth and grace. And when you put the two together, and the only way that you and I can put the two together is if we focus and put Jesus at the center. You agree? We have to put Jesus into the center of our life. And so the first thing that we want to unpack out of the Gospels for this weekend is prayer. Is prayer. One of the things that Jesus modeled, if we ask the question, what did Jesus do? You will see throughout the Gospels over and over and over. Matter of fact, there's 25 unique stories, probably 35 to 40 references because some of them are duplicated in the Gospels, but 25 unique stories of where Jesus would go pray. He would go pray. In church, I believe that in this time, in this day and age, God is giving us an opportunity to become a people of prayer. How are you doing with this? How are you doing with this? Because I gotta be completely honest with you. I want to be a person of prayer, but I get into the tasks of my day and I'll go through a whole day and look back and go, oh my gosh, I don't know if I invited the Holy Spirit into any of my decisions today. This is an opportunity to invite the Holy Spirit to come in, to invite Jesus to guide and direct us and influence our decisions each and every moment of every day. You know, the Word of God says that we are to pray without ceasing. I don't know how you're doing. I'm not doing very good at that. I get caught up in, in just life. And hours, sometimes days will go by, and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I haven't connected. We're supposed to graft into the vine. How many of us are little branches that are floundering around? Oh, yeah. What if we just graft in and let him influence where we're going and what we're saying and how we're saying it? The Gospels are filled with examples of Jesus praying. One that comes to my mind, actually, is one time the disciples are trying to find Jesus, and the word says that he's up on the mountain praying, and when he comes down, the disciples, this is my paraphrase, but the disciples basically, Jesus, where, are, where were you? We've got a huge group of people that need ministry, and we couldn't find you. And now they're still all right here. They're waiting for you to minister to them, to heal them, to pray over them, to do all these things. And Jesus looked at them and said, um, I was praying. I was finding out what dad wanted to do today. And just so you know, I understand there's a whole group of people here that want ministry, but we're going to get the boat and we're going to leave all of them here and we're going across the other side of the lake. Oh, dude, what? Jesus left a whole group of people that needed ministry to go? Yeah, because dad said so. Word of God says all those people went around the lake. They still got their ministry. But here's the beautiful part of it. God gave Jesus instruction, and he followed it. How are you doing? How am I doing in asking our Father for instruction and following what he is asking us to do? It comes through prayer, church. 
And I think a lot of times we over mystify prayer. I grew up Catholic, as many of you know, and so prayer was this really kind of, it was almost kind of a spooky thing to me. I remember thinking, the Holy Ghost, what? I don't want any part of this Holy Ghost. And the second thing was prayer had to be just right. As a matter of fact, I had to learn them verbatim, prayers verbatim to the word, and I had them them just right. And the very first time in second grade when I could actually partake in communion, I had to pass this test with a certain prayer. It was our Father. I failed it. And all my other second grade buddies got to go have communion, but not me. That taints your view of what prayer is, doesn't it? And we probably all have a little tainted view of what prayer is. Church, I'm here to tell you, prayer is just simply communication to our Father. And the Word of God says that He wants to speak back to us. A lot of times we do telephone prayers where we just talk to God and we don't let Him speak at all. Man, Let's be a people that actually go to God and say, God, I need help right now navigating through this world, through these current events. I need help, Jesus. Would you speak to me? And then give him time to actually speak to you. Give him time to give you thoughts. You know what? He'll give you thoughts, pictures, scriptures, if you'll just open your heart and your mind to listen for a little bit. But many of us are so busy that we feel like we're doing good if we just make our requests known. And then we go into our day. Ooh, church, yes, make your requests known, but understand he wants to speak back to you. A lot of people are intimidated by prayer. Pastor Rob, when I was sharing the heart for this, said that he's got a really good instructional thing on prayer. And if this is intimidating to you, out in the foyer on your way out, grab this, um, the Lord's Prayer here. This was written by a man... Uh, named Dr. Larry Lee, and it's from a book called Could You Not Tarry? And it's basically just taking our father, but it just breaks it out in such a really practical way that you can begin to establish just a communication with our father that can be very helpful, and then let him begin to speak to you. And so if you find yourself intimidated and you're like, oh, I just don't know if I can pray, um, first off, yes, you can. Don't let the enemy tell you you can't. Yes, you can The enemy would love to tell you that you can't hear from God, that your prayers won't be effective. Man, you need to take those thoughts captive. You need to cast them aside and say, no, I can hear from the Lord. Enemy, get off my back, and then go and communicate with your Father. But if you need help, grab that tool, grab that resource. What is Jesus' heart in regards to this? Well, Mark 11, 17 says this. It is not written, my house will be called, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it into a den of robbers. I believe that the heart of Jesus' church is that we would be a people of prayer. And I don't find it coincidental at all that one of the number one things that the enemy will attack us with is this mentality that we can't hear from God or that our prayers aren't effective or that our prayers aren't powerful enough or that our words aren't going to say the right things or that we don't even know what to say. You know, there's a section in the Word of God that says that um, the Spirit of God will help us in our praying through um, wordless groans. If you don't know what to pray, just get before the Lord and just start going, mm. who knows? I, maybe the Spirit of God starts coming in and begins to help you and, and starts to direct you. And, Church, let's be a people of prayer. Let's not let the enemy discourage us from speaking and connecting with our Heavenly Father. 
And so if we're going to be, let me, let me just ask a question real quick. What do you think, if this is a house of prayer, what do you think a house of prayer looks like? Surrender. That's good. Love that. Surrender to him. Humbleness. Okay. That's good. Looks like our house. Your physical house. How about this house right here? What does the house of prayer look like? A place where we can get strategy? I'm looking for an answer. Discernment, okay. Could be, could be anywhere, okay. Getting closer, what did you say? Praise, Praise and worship can be a portion of that, absolutely. Us, okay. We're the temple, right? So absolutely, our prayer, we lead that. We can be a house of prayer individually. What about corporately? What does a house of prayer look like? United, United? it's good. Still looking for one. Both? Yeah. I, all these are great answers. Two or more. Thank you. People praying. In order to be a house of prayer, we have to pray. Do you know that in most churches, prayer, if it is done in the service, it's only a teeny, teeny, tiny little portion of the service. Shine Church included. And we feel like the Lord is starting to stir in us a desire to change that a little bit. We're praying what that looks like. We're asking for instruction. We're actually going to have a conversation at our staff meeting on Tuesday on, hey, what does this look like? How can we bring prayer? If we're supposed to be a house of prayer, we need to pray. We need to pray. Let's be a house of prayer. Let's be a people that pray.